The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Clark, who is a certified financial planner and also the author of the new book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jordan. Sure. Um, let's just start a little bit with your background and uh, what led you uh, to write this book, and then we'll start getting into the di- different uh, parts of the book. Sure. Uh, you know, I had been a uh, financial planner uh, for uh, probably eight or nine years before I wrote this book, uh, and I think probably, uh, you know, it's an interesting story. I, I got into the business. I had a, a lot of wise advice for other people, uh, but it was advice that, uh, like a lot of people in the business, I didn't necessarily follow myself. I definitely got uh, caught up uh, in both the Wall Street lifestyle and also being a new married guy and, and funding uh, that whole adventure uh, and found myself quickly in credit card debt up to my eyeballs. Uh, and so the book is really a um, both a, a compendium of, of the stuff you need to know to get out of debt, as well as uh, kind of my reflections from the road and doing the same thing, and, and what really works and what doesn't work, and uh, what is uh, kind of just uh, trite advice, and, and uh, what really gets you to where you need to be. So that's kind of the history of the book. Kind of fell into it and feel very lucky and blessed that people would actually sit down and listen to what I have to say. Great. Well, let's just kind of start off with an overall view <clears throat> of Americans in debt these mm-hmm. days. Um, why don't you give us a sense of the dimensions of the problem? How much uh, has debt grown in this country uh, in the last few years? Uh, are things getting better or worse? We've had a lot of major changes recently in the credit card laws and the mortgage mm-hmm. laws and so on. Kind of give us a big picture here of, of Americans in debt these days. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely um, gotten worse. And I guess when I say gotten worse, it, it's, it's finally uh, come home to roost. I, I don't think... Americans have necessarily uh, taken it to the next level in the last few years, but um, the, the party ended, and, and the people that were extending credit and the economy that wouldn't quit and the stock market that wouldn't quit all came home to roost, and, and uh, we were no longer able to keep ahead of our lifestyles. So, you know, I think when you look at the stats, uh, you see that the average American household has somewhere uh, around $10,000 in uh, consumer credit card debt. Um, you see the mortgage problem um, uh, ballooning thanks to adjustable rate mortgages. Uh, and you see student loans uh, ballooning as far as the balances people are carrying. So, you know, I think that the real problem is not um, so much that, that the debt got out of control, but that the cash flow stopped and people uh, were not able to uh, keep this house of cards from collapsing in on itself. So, uh, you know, ultimately at the root of the problem, and this is where a lot of people are, are kind of reevaluating things and shifting 
their paradigms, uh, we were carrying too much debt uh, for a rainy day. And uh, the, the walls that we had built financially just couldn't hold back the storm. So um, I, I'm seeing it. I, I'm seeing it. You know, I'm also a trained psychotherapist in addition to being a certified financial planner. And uh, I'm really seeing it begin to take its toll on uh, marriages and families and people's sanity and their sense of well-being and their, um, their sense of self, their self-esteem. So uh, it's a big deal right now. I think it's, this may be unprecedented since the Great Depression. Now, some would say that things are getting better and that the amount of outstanding credit card debt is actually declining. Uh, the savings rate was up to 6.9% last week, the highest mm-hmm. in 15 years. Yeah. Uh, thrift is back, some would say. So that it, it's, this uh, whole debt problem is, is overblown because we're mending ourselves. What would you say to that? Uh, you know, this is. <laughs> I, I think it's like when I catch my kids doing something really wrong and they promise to be really good. Uh, and they're on their best behavior for, you know, the next couple of hours. Um, we'll see if, if these changes in behavior stick. You know, I think a, a great model for the fact that it, it may not was, uh, you know, we saw gas prices go through the roof. All of a sudden, everybody wanted to, uh, Toyota Priuses and, and these uh, fuel-efficient cars. And then, uh, in my experience, as soon as gas prices began to dip, a lot of people went right back to purchasing these higher uh, consumption cars. So um, I hope Thrift is back. You know, I, I kind of marvel. Uh, I, we just moved from Southern California to uh, the South, and at least in Southern California, we went from uh, soccer moms uh, bragging about, uh, you know, how much they spent on clothes for their kids to uh, bragging on what they got on sale at, at the local garage sale or the secondhand shop. So I would definitely agree that, that Thrift is in vogue. I, I hope it uh, sticks. I think probably depending on your age, you know, this is kind of one of those can you teach an old dog new tricks, uh, it'll stick more for some than others. I, I think, you know, if you're 10, 12 years old right now and you are watching your life uh, go into upheaval because of debt, you know, you, you're, your family's been foreclosed on, I think those kids will be impacted like my grandparents were when they were kids in the Great Depression and it changes the way they see money. I think if you're in your 30s or 40s and, and you've earned six figures for the last 15, 20 years, um, there's a good chance you'll see this downturn as a, a hiccup, and an anomaly from the way things should be, which is always rosy. So I think when stuff uh, calms down and the, the economy really regains its footing, you'll have probably two sets of people acting two different ways. Okay. I'd like your opinion on the, the recently passed uh, credit, core, credit card a holder's Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. um, kind of how, how that was seen as a reaction to what's been going on with the credit card companies raising fees and rates, and what, do you, yeah. what impact do you think the, the law is going to have as it's, it's uh, phased in over the next few months? I think it, I think it will have a substantial effect. I mean, I, I think there's um, some things in there that are going to keep uh, the the tide away from sneaking up on people, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, with whether it's the credit cards or the adjustable rate mortgages, um, we have to come to terms with with our own role in in the hole that we find ourselves in. And uh, it's interesting during the, the presidential campaign, you actually I think heard President Obama hint at it a little bit, where he kept talking about personal responsibility, and it uh, seems to have backed off that a tad. But um, you know, uh, we have a responsibility as consumers to. Uh, understand how adjustable rate mortgages work, and we have a responsibility to understand our credit card terms. And so, 
while I think these things will uh, protect some people, uh, we as as uh, Consumers in the United States uh, seem to do a pretty good job of finding trouble, and uh, we have you know eyes that are bigger than our stomachs when it comes to our personal finances. So, at, at, to some degree, the, the government can't protect us from ourselves, and, and there'll always be that risk. What is your sense of how the credit card companies are going to change the way they offer credit to consumers as a result of this bill? Um. You know, I think they will probably be more cautious with, with the really subprime-type uh, borrowers. I, I don't think you'll see as many credit card offers going out to uh, people who, you know, are carrying scores in the, the high 500s, low 600s, things like that. Uh, I do think the, um, the ever-increasing spending limit that we kind of associated with credit cards over the last 20 years will not continue. You know, you won't get a letter every six months saying, congratulations, your your limit's been raised. I think the credit card companies will take a more cautious, strategic approach to managing their assets, which are our debts. I think they'll uh, make sure that they're manageable. I think they'll make sure they can survive downturns and things like that. So, But, you know, I don't see a, a huge hiccup. I think uh, until, you know, this is kind of like the, the foreign oil discussion almost, you know, until we break our dependence on credit as a lifestyle and return to uh, cash or using debit cards or however you want to view that, but, but not borrowing at least till the end of the month, um, credit card companies are still going to be the major player in our financial lives, and, and they will get their pound of flesh out of us uh, ultimately, I think. So I see it changing its some, but, uh, you know, we, we love our credit cards. So. I mean, what I've heard from some consumer advocates is that the credit card companies are going to lose roughly $20 billion in mm-hmm. fees and interest rate increases and various ways they've been squeezing money out of the people who've been not so responsible with their credit. Yeah. And therefore, they're going to go after the people who have been responsible with their credit to get the $20 billion out of them by putting on annual fees and uh, changing or reducing or maybe even eliminating grace periods by charging for frequent flyer points, by adding all kinds of fees yeah. and interest rates that have not been there on the people who've been paying responsibly. Is, is that yeah. your sense of what's going to happen? Well, you know, I mean, you've got to remember that you've got a, a competitive market. Uh, ultimately, you know, credit card companies, competing credit card companies, will, will undercut each other. Uh, it's what we saw a few years ago with the move towards low-fee or no-fee uh, credit cards. Um, so I think you'll see the same thing. I think right now uh, the... The better borrowers, the, the lower risk users, uh, may bear the brunt in the short term, but I think the competitive forces in the credit card market uh, will ultimately squeeze out uh, some of that profit for the credit card companies uh, because the one or two credit card companies that don't institute those new policies will experience a, a, a flood of uh, applicants and transfers and all that. So, so I think there'll be there'll be some market forces there that that balance that out. And I, I think you know uh, to say that the credit card companies will be losers in that I think is uh, being a little over dramatic. I mean they're still going to make a ton of money doing what they do. I think when the smoke clears though, it'll be less money than they're making now. So less profitability for the card companies means. Less credit available and fewer perks available. What does less profitability mean to consumers? Yeah, I think uh, I think again you'll see less credit available for your uh, your higher risk users. You know the people that have a history of defaults, of late payments, things like that. Um, I think the the perks will. Uh, I think you'll see them get squeezed a little bit, but you know the, the perks are still primarily a way of of attracting and retaining 
business. Uh, so I don't think you'll see those squeezed that much. Um, what I think you'll see is I think you'll see restrictions on them that, that squeeze people on the back end. I think you'll see more expiration dates on um, when you have to use Perks Buy. I think you'll see uh, a greater delay in when you get cash Perks paid back to you so the credit card companies will play the float. You know, they'll, they'll earn a little extra interest on it uh, before they pay it back to you. So I don't think you'll see the, the Perks uh, eliminated completely. I think they're they're still an important part of how they attract business. Very good. Okay, I'm speaking with Ken Clark, who's a CFP, uh, who is the author of a new book called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. We'll talk a lot more, more about ways you can get out of debt in this new environment we're in today. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime. I'm not to listen. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Clark, who's a certified financial planner and also the author of the new book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thank you, thank you. Uh, before we go further, just tell them uh, your website and how they can find out more about what you offer. Sure. Uh, my website uh, is Ken Clark, K-E-N-C-L-A-R-K, 
and the letters cfp.com, uh, which is also my Twitter, uh, Twitter slash Ken Clark CFP. So you can order the book through there and uh, read my bio and uh, see some of the blogs that I've written and things like that. Very good. Okay, you talk in the beginning about how there's good debt and bad debt. How would you mm-hmm. define when is good debt and when is bad debt? Yeah, I would ultimately say that good debt creates net worth in our life. It, it is ultimately debt that we take on, uh, whether it's short-term or long-term, that builds a financial future for us. So when I think of uh, good debt, I think of student loans, um, you know, and again, everything's used in the, the right proportion. We shouldn't go overboard, but, you know, student loans uh, create the ability for us to earn more. Um, purchasing a home, uh, that creates net worth over time. Uh, so that's what I would classify as good debt. Bad debt, I would classify as uh, things that immediately begin devaluing when we purchase them. So, uh, for the most part, things that we purchase on credit cards, uh, things that we take out 401k loans for, uh, even car loans. You know, cars uh, depreciate almost immediately when we take ownership of them. So uh, I would generally look at those things as, as bad debt. Now, sometimes they may be necessary debt. I, I agree with that. You know, we find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. But uh, ultimately, we want to avoid using bad debt as much as possible. And we use good debt, but only as much as we need it. A lot of people find themselves today in a certain expense structure, you know, their house, their cars, their heating, whatever it may be, taxes and so on, Mm -hmm. Um, and their income has gone down for Mm -hmm. unemployment, fewer hours, whatever. So they really haven't changed anything, but they've gotten into debt because their income has gone down. What what would you suggest in a a case like that? Well, it's it's a reality check ultimately. Um, that's really what I have seen. Kind of going back to your original question to begin the show, uh, what we've seen is that that incomes have gone down, uh, but people have, have held their breath and hope that it'll get better, and they've used their credit cards or, or maybe four hundred one k loans to kind of bridge that gap while they hope their income is going to go back up, and it just hasn't happened. So. I think at the core, for a lot of us, uh, it is standing back and going, okay, things have really changed. I may not like it. I may not be happy with it. It's definitely not an indictment on me or my earning ability. It's the economy, maybe, but um, I've got to change some some habits here. Uh, And maybe there's some things I need to change overnight, like how we do entertainment in my household and, uh, you know, how we buy clothes or whatever it is. And there may be some things that I really need to sit down uh, by myself or with my spouse or partner and do the math on. And that may be where we live or the cars we drive or the cell phone plan we have or things like that. But, uh, but there, unfortunately, and as you've probably encountered, are very few, if any, silver bullets uh, to dealing with uh, less income than expenses. Um, the, the only way that change really happens is for us to uh, belly up to the bar and, and do what we need to do. I guess that's why people play the lottery, right? <laughs> that's why, I, I, you know, hope springs eternal, right? So You're looking for the silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you may be sure. right, but a lot of people don't want to believe that. You know. Okay, your next chapter, uh, chapter two, is about long-term debt mm-hmm. and uh, fixed-rate mortgages and adjust-rate mortgages. What, what are some of the things that people are doing wrong with mortgages, and what are some of the ways to do it right with mortgages in today's sure. market? Well, I think, number one, you know, we've... We've all kind of learned the, a lesson on adjustable rate mortgages. Um, adjustable rate mortgages, when the market was at its peak, let us buy as much house as we could possibly buy uh, for the, 
the maximum payment that we could afford. So uh, people went big using these adjustable rate mortgages, and it's come home to roost. What we love about fixed rate mortgages and, and the things that, uh, you know, uh, let me little, take a little tangent here. You know, it's amazing that the vast majority of wealth in this country is, is held by a generation of people, you know, my grandparents, your grandparents, who literally did things like bury uh, their money in coffee cans in the backyard, which I'm not advocating. Uh, they didn't heavily use credit. You know, they didn't have 401Ks with matching, things like that. Um, they were just diligent savers, careful budgeters, things like that. Uh, and they used fixed-rate mortgages almost exclusively, which meant that the single biggest expense in their life, their housing expense, uh, was predictable for the next 360 months of their life. They can build all their other decisions, whether it's savings or where I'm going to work or how much we're going to spend on vacation around that number. So, so number one, we gotta we gotta retreat to plain vanilla mortgages. In my opinion, we need to use these thirty-year fixed-rate mortgages if we can get them, uh, and build our budgets and our expectations around that one cost. Now, with that said, there's always a question of, of refinancing and things like that. And I think refinancing, as great as it is, is also one of the great traps that a lot of us get caught in. Because most people refinance into a new 30-year mortgage. So if I'm, uh, you know, I've paid off five years of my 20, of my 30-year mortgage. It's now a 25-year mortgage. That's all I've got left. And I refinance, then all of a sudden I've got a brand new 30-year mortgage. Now, my payment may have gone down each month, but the total amount over out of pocket by adding another five years of interest accumulating and paying it off will easily outpace what I would have spent if I just kept my 25-year mortgage and paid it off. So if we do refinance, my biggest advice is always simply maintain the same level of payments that you were making before you refinanced so that even though we're taking advantage of this lower rate, it doesn't end up costing us more. You talk a little bit about negative loans, negative amortization loans. Yeah, sure. Um, Maybe explain a little bit how those work, what's wrong with them, and are they still available these days? Uh, surprisingly, they're still available. Uh, we moved to, from Southern California to Arkansas, uh, you know, a year ago, and uh, the first uh, mortgage broker I talked to uh, was trying to pitch these to me, knowing full well that I was a financial planner, which kind of blew my mind. Uh, yeah, negative amortization mortgages, uh, probably a better uh, layman's term to put them into is uh, payment optional. <laughs> uh, essentially, these mortgages gave us uh, some ability to actually pay less than the interest that was added to our mortgage each month. So if I have a $300,000 mortgage, I could actually pay less than what it would take to keep that thing at $300,000 or make it go down, which meant that the interest actually got added to my mortgage. So now, after this month and paying... uh, what little I could pay because I lost my job or the credit card bills got too big, my mortgage actually goes from 300000 to 301000 So the monster is getting bigger every month. Now, that's great. It allows a lot of flexibility, but um, eventually, you know, these things come home to roost, kind of like margin calls, and uh, people had to uh, put up more capital or try and refinance or, or do whatever, both of which they probably had a hard time doing because of the economy. So uh, to me, negative amortization mortgages or, or negams, as you call them, 
Um, you know, they're so enticing. We love the flexibility, but uh, they end up being an anchor around our neck financially. So you say never to do one. Is that right? I, I would be hard-pressed to uh, to come up with any rule of thumb of, of why somebody should use one of these. Uh, you know, saying that, there might be one in a thousand people that, that need some kind of flexibility, but, but even then, you're, you're rolling the dice, right? I think we, at this point, with this economy, if, the, if we haven't learned the lesson of str- staying on the straight and narrow path financially, um, you know, then, then we need to go back and, and read the history books and do our homework. So I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of avoiding those negative AM mortgages. The next area you talk about in long-term debt is student loans. Mm-hmm. And my sense is that the whole student loan market is changing pretty dramatically, that the Obama administration wants to kind of take it over at the Department of Education and cut out private lenders. Yep. Is that your view of the way, where things are going, and, and how is that going to change, and how should people get the best student loans in the yeah. new regime here? Yeah, a couple things. Now, you know, number one, uh, it, that's up in the air what's going to happen there. Uh, Obama came out and talked about uh, eliminating everything basically but the direct loans. Um, you know, essentially we have Sally Mae, uh, who is – backing loans, uh, kind of like Fannie Mae backed home loans, and the government's saying we want out of that business. So um, unless the government is willing to step up and absorb that, uh, that shrinkage in the market, uh, I would imagine that, that there's going to be less money to go around. Uh, on top of that, we're seeing state budgets. State budgets are just getting clobbered. Uh, we're seeing programs like the Michigan Promise Program and uh, Cal Grants in California that are getting uh, just you know line item vetoed right out of out of budgets. So, um, so student loans, yeah, they uh, it's going to be harder to get. I think. Um, I think the uh, especially the grant money, you know, essentially loans that we don't have to repay, that's going to dry up. Uh, what that means is, is that parents need to begin planning well ahead of college uh, for how they're going to uh, finance uh, this event and, and whether or not the original college dreams of, of the Ivy League school or the private school still make sense. Uh, again, kind of that reality check. Um, with that said, um, uh, one of the biggest heartbreaks for me is that a lot of uh, middle-income parents don't think that they have any chance of, of getting things like student loans. And the reality is uh, most parents in, in this economy, uh, regardless of uh, what kind of money you make, can get some kind of loan assistance for the government, which I think is crucial uh, because most parents are trying to pay for college during their prime years of earning when they should be saving for retirement. And they throw all this money uh, out of pocket at, a, at college um, instead of taking care of their retirement. And I always tell parents, you know, there's such a thing as a college loan, but there's no such thing as a retirement loan. I would rather see parents have a commitment to helping their kids pay off student loans than have the hope that their kids are going to help them retire. Is it better in general to have the student loans taken out in the name of the kid or their parents? Well, it, it really depends on the kind of loan. Um, so, uh, you know, things like Stafford loans uh, and uh, Perkins loans are taken out in the name of the student. The Federal Plus loan uh, is generally taken out in the name of the parent. So there's really not an option there. Um, but uh, for the most part, the, the first line of, of borrowing, the first line of defense is going to be in the student's name. So are you seeing a big problem with student loans, that you know people are really getting in way over their heads in student loans? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, we're seeing student loans, uh, because the job market has dried up, especially with things like MBA uh, programs, 
it's really coming home to, to roost with students that have $100,000 plus. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Ken Clark, uh, whose new book is called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to solving personal foreclosure? With over 2,700 foreclosures daily, what can you do to ensure the housing crisis doesn't hit home? Tune in to Foreclosure Exposure Radio with host Carla Duglin. This show will give you steps you can immediately use to save your own home and credit. Face and conquer foreclosure issues before they affect you. Listen for Foreclosure Exposure Radio every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Clark, uh, who is a CFP and the author of a new book, the Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thank you. We were talking about uh, student loans a little bit. D- describe briefly this new program that just goes into effect July 1st at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called uh, the Income-Based Repayment Program, uh, or IBR for short. Uh, and it does go into effect July 1st. It's similar to some programs that had been out there. There was a, an income-sensitive and an income-contingent income plan. Uh, but this one's got a few more bells and whistles on it. Basically, uh, it takes your student loan, uh, your normal payment, and then looks at your income level and the number of people in your household that, that you support or you are one of the people that support. And it gives you a lower payment based on that. Uh, a reasonable exa- or an example of that 
I looked at a $40,000 student loan, uh, Stafford loan. Uh, it was roughly $45,000 for somebody, and their normal payment was going to be somewhere around 400 and under the IBR, it cut it down to about 225 So, number one, that, that's helpful to people who are fighting to keep their head above water. But the, the really cool wrinkle with these is that there's a loan forgiveness uh, piece attached to it. Uh, regardless of where you work, whatever is not repaid after 25 years, which I know sounds like a long time, uh, is erased. But if you work in uh, public service, if you work for a nonprofit full-time, so you can't just go get a weekend job at the YMCA, but uh, if you work in any ki- type of uh, public service sector or nonprofit, whatever is not repaid after 10 years is wiped out by Uncle Sam. So theoretically, I mean, that could be a half or two-thirds of your loan balance, uh, depending on how you've been paying it down. That's a huge windfall for some people. So, I mean, what people would probably do is pay the absolute minimum they can get away with. Exactly. And go to 10 years and then have it wiped away, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, the IBR does reset annually. You have to resubmit paperwork and verify your income. So if you go from making 30000 to 130000 uh, your payment's going to ratchet up, but uh, for sure, it, for people who are working in civil service, which is not famous for its uh, its compensation, uh, it will help them walk away from that debt after 10 years, for sure. Another thing I want to mention to ask, ask you about, you hear a lot about mortgage equity accelerators today, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, an, an idea that will help you pay your mortgage off whatever, five to 10 years instead of 30 years. Mm-hmm. What, what have you seen about these things, and what's good and what's bad about them? Yeah, you know, ultimately this is uh, someone dressing up uh, a classical, uh, plain vanilla technique and, and charging you a lot for it. It's, it's kind of like charging somebody a whole lot of money for what we already knew and what you could do for free. Essentially what these programs do is they, um, uh, and they're, they're computer programs in, in most instances that you pay two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 for, uh, they map out all your monthly uh, expenditures, and they basically encourage you to send uh, little dribs and drabs of leftover money into your mortgage uh, as soon as you realize that money is, is laying around. Uh, and in essence, by paying down principal uh, quicker on a mortgage, uh, the amount of interest that we pay over the life of that mortgage is going to be dramatically less. Now, that's a neat concept, but that's something that we've been doing forever with things like biweekly mortgage um, payment programs where, you know, people every two weeks uh, pay half of their mortgage payment for the month. And, of course, over the course of the year, you end up making one extra mortgage payment, one full month's mortgage payment extra by doing that. And that takes you from paying off a mortgage in 30 years to paying it off in you know, 23, 24 years. So ultimately these programs are, are doing what people have essentially been doing uh, for themselves for a long time. And when we figure in the, the time value of money, I mean, if I was going to take $3,500 and, and buy a program with it, how much time would that shave off my mortgage by, by putting that same $3,500 towards my mortgage? It's going to end up saving me more than the program would ever save me. So I'm not a big fan of them. I, I personally feel uh, like it is in most cases, a a multi level marketing deal, um, you know, for better or worse, whatever you think of those programs. But uh, it's a multi level marketing deal where you make as much by signing up other people to sell it as you do 
uh, by selling it to, to people on your own. My experience has been the people who have pitched them to me uh, are ultimately people who um, either don't know that much about uh, personal finances and how mortgages work, or they are uh, mortgage professionals who are using these programs to uh, sell additional products. So not a big believer in them. I, I always tell people, go out and buy Quicken uh, or one of these personal finance programs. They'll, they'll often include a very similar uh, uh, piece of, of uh, a calculator for, for the, you know, the 40 or $50 you pay. Save your money. Put it towards your mortgage. Okay, very good. Um, you have a chapter here on credit card strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, why don't you give some ideas about how people who have a lot of credit card debt can start digging themselves out of it as far as reducing their spending and paying off the principal faster? And What are some of the ideas that might be helpful for them there? Sure. Well, the, the first thing, you know, again, it, there are no silver bullets. We have to take the credit card out of our wallet. Uh, when we have the credit card in our wallet, it allows us to budget uh, in what I call a, a rear-view mirror fashion. You know, when I'm standing in line at Starbucks and trying to decide between, the, you know, the grande and the vente, um, if I'm spending straight out of my bank account, I usually make a little bit more of an informed and conservative decision. If I don't have to deal with the purchase till the end of the month, two, three weeks later, uh, I usually allow myself a little more freedom. So, number one, having those credit cards in the wallet, while we're trying to pay them off is, is kind of schizophrenic or, you know, a multiple personality type version of uh, personal finances. It's like lighting a fire with one hand while you're trying to put out fires with the other hand. So first and foremost, credit cards have to come out of the wallet. And we have to move to uh, some type of, of cash, um, you know, uh, cash mode. Uh, number two, uh, I think it's a slam dunk. We need to call around and see if we can get our interest rates reduced. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt our credit to ask for a lower interest rate. Uh, most of these companies, especially if our credit is still fairly good, want to keep us around. Uh, they'd rather keep us around at 10 or 15 percent than lose us at 30. So I'm a big fan of, of calling and trying to negotiate our rates, which is something we can do for free. We don't need to hire somebody. Usually the savings might be, you know, 1000 to $2,000 a year per $10,000 on our credit card balance. So that's a big deal when we're looking at paying off those cards. What, so, what realistically can people expect as far as how much the lower rates would be if they've had a good payment history today? Because all I've been hearing is rates going up, not people negotiating rates down. Yeah, the, you know, it's, the credit card companies and the way they act towards us is it's, their, I think, motto is it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. So they raise rates realizing that 90, 95% of the people will never say anything if they even notice. Uh, and it's far easier to uh, negotiate or roll back those rates on the, the few squeaky wheels uh, than it is to not raise rates at all. So um, I think that rates are still very negotiable. I, uh, my history, my track record, uh, both personally and with other people, is that 50% of the time you ask, you will... Uh, you will get some kind of temporary reduction, six to 12 months. Um, and, you know, the higher that our rate is, you know, if we're at 12%, they're not going to lower it to six probably. But if we're at 25 or, or 28.99%, uh, getting them to lower it, you know, to 15 or so uh, is very reasonable. Again, think about what the stock market is earning these days. You know, um, a 15% rate of return on us is still a great investment for that company, and they don't want to lose you. So the trick is to call, to be very polite, 
but to also have another offer in your hand. Um, a legitimate offer, we don't want to make stuff up because these people know the offers that are out there, but to say, hey, I got this offer from XYZ company and they're offering me 10.99% to move my balance, what can you do? Uh, my experience is you're going to hear the answer you want to hear 50% of the time. What do you think of uh, nonprofit consumer credit counseling as a way to help get rates lower? I love uh, the the main nonprofit CCCS. I, I think um, there are a lot of companies out there that position themselves and that market themselves as nonprofit and uh, you know uh, consumer advocacy agencies, and they're really in it to turn a profit. Um, I think the the National Consumer Credit Counseling is uh, a fabulous organization. I think it is a great starting point for uh, people. Uh, they they offer these. Uh, free or low-cost uh, credit counseling uh, services, budget-making, things like that. So I'm a big fan. I, I point people, especially people that don't have access to a financial professional, towards uh, that organization or their local chapters. And there's been a lot of news recently about debt settlement firms. What do you think of those? <clears throat> I, I think they are a nightmare, personally. I think they... Um, well, what we're seeing uh, in in a practical sense is that a lot of the credit card companies don't want to work with these uh, agencies anymore because these agencies, a lot of times, uh, they will uh, put the consumer on a payment plan. They'll begin piling up money that they will eventually go and offer to the credit card company or our creditors um, after taking out uh, interest and fees and these other things. So uh, a lot of times, consumers stop sending any money to their credit card companies. They send it to these debt settlement companies who sit on it for six or nine months and then make an offer that's much smaller than what the credit card company would have gotten if they would have just dealt straight with the consumer. So, number one, I'm finding that they are a waste of money just because a lot of creditors refuse to deal with these companies now. Number two, I think it's something that most people can do for themselves. I always say try it yourself uh, if, if you really want to do a debt settlement where we offer a smaller amount and compromise. Um, the worst that can happen is they say no, and then you go hire one of these companies. But uh, my experience, again, especially if you're late, if you're two or three billing cycles behind, uh, most companies are very willing to work with you if you have a, a, a pile of cash that you've come into. You don't need somebody to do it for you. They have whole departments devoted to doing this with their customers. So you actually ask for the debt settlement department at a credit card company, right? Yes, yeah, that's exactly what you do. Flip over your credit card. You know, you, uh, your your rich uncle dies and leaves you some money. Flip over your credit card. Grab the number off the back. Call them and say, "Hey, I want to talk to somebody about uh, settling my balance." Very good. Uh, we're speaking to Ken Clark, uh, who is the author of the new book called "The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt," and we'll be back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Network. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Clark, who is a certified financial planner and author of the new book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Thank you. And again, give people your website where they can find out more about you in the book. Sure, it's www.kenclarkcfp.com, which is also my Twitter, Twitter slash kenclarkcfp.com. Just sorry, kenclarkcfp. (laughs) One of your uh, pet peeves apparently is uh, offers of free credit reports. Tell us where you can really get free credit reports and and where people are being lured that direction uh, incorrectly. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I find myself yelling at the TV commercials. My wife is beginning to think I'm losing it. But, uh, you know, we've all seen the commercials with the guy with the guitar singing about free credit reports. Um, you know, so whether uh, there's a bunch of these uh, so-called free credit report type services out there uh, that offer a free credit report. Of course, there's an asterisk and, and some fine print at the bottom of the screen that you can't read fast enough, but, um, you know, they all require your credit card to verify your ID and something like that, and, of course, we start getting billed $14 a month for the rest of our life uh, for credit monitoring services and things like that. So uh, there is one place to get your free credit report, and it's not freecreditreport.com. It's annualcreditreport.com. That is the uh, site run by the three uh, credit reporting agencies, so it's uh, going straight to the source. 
Um, you can get each one of those credit reports uh, from each agency uh, once a year. So you can get your uh, Experian once a year and your Equifax once a year. So what I recommend is people go in uh, and get one credit report today, go back in in four months and get another credit report, and then in four months get it from the third agency, an additional four months. And that way we kind of have a fresh credit report to help us watch for identity theft and things like that. Of course, one of the big surprises to people is that there's no credit score on these credit reports. Uh, that's not what a credit report is. If you actually want your credit score, I highly recommend going again to the source, which is uh, myfico.com, and you can usually buy your credit score on there uh, one time for 10 to $15. Let's quickly go through some other kinds of debts you talk about in the book um, and, and best ways to deal with these things or maybe not deal with them all. Uh, the first one is payday loans. Yep. Yeah, payday loans uh, are, you know, if there's anything that's a, a vampire to our finances, uh, it's payday loans. The, you know, the average interest rate on these things ranges from 100% a year to, you know, 250 to 500% a year. And once you get into these cycles, because you're borrowing from the next paycheck before it's even there, they're impossible to get out of. Uh, a simple $200 payday loan can balloon to over $1,000 uh, within one year. So um, I always tell people I, I'd almost rather see you be late on your utility bills or borrow money from that relative you don't want to borrow it from just to get out of that cycle because you're going nowhere quick. A lot of states have actually either banned them or limited their interest rates to 30% or something like that, and so mm -hmm. the payday loan lenders aren't there. The people using these payday loans say it's their only alternative. Nobody else will give them a loan, and they need to eat and kind of survive. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand that. I, we, we've been there as a family before, but um, you know, it's kind of one of those deals that, that it ultimately costs them more tomorrow than it gets them today, and, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up to them, and they're going to have the same problem, which is their whole paycheck disappears, and now they can't eat at all. So uh, we've got to find alternatives to taking these payday loans, uh, whatever it is, cutting expenses, getting a second job, you know. Okay, the next area you talk about is car loans. Now, the car market's been pretty depressed here. Are, are there better opportunities in car loans today? Uh, you know, I think car loans uh, are a tough one. I, I think we've seen that market dry up even more because there's the collateral behind the loans, you know, uh, it depreciates the moment you drive off the lot. Uh, you know, at least with real estate uh, and the market's, I guess, somewhat stabilized and you have to put down this down payment, uh, I, I think it's a little easier to get those. So I think car loans are, are tough to come by except for the, the best uh, of uh, borrowers, you know, the best credit ratings. Uh, what I really recommend is that people get out of the car loan cycle uh, by trying to stretch the life of their cars to seven years. Uh, after their loans paid off in four or five years, you start you keep making that payment, but make it to a savings account. So next time you go in to buy a car, you've got a much bigger down payment, and you continue that habit. And I found that people stop buying cars using loans within two to three cars. So we want to get out of that cycle once and for all. The next area you talk about is medical bills, and mm -hmm. certainly it's a huge problem for a lot of people who don't have insurance. Uh, what can they do if they have a lot of medical bills and the hospitals and the doctors are, are calling them all the time? Yeah. 
you know, medical bills are, are ridiculously negotiable, probably more so than credit cards, and you don't have to look any farther between, uh, besides just comparing the, the bill for an uninsured person versus the insured person and the discount that the insurance company gets. Um, again, you know, these uh, hospitals and everywhere else are feeling the financial pinch uh, as much as we are. Uh, so my biggest advice there is we need to uh, continue to communicate with these companies instead of avoiding the calls. Uh, and we need to tell them, listen, I, I, I cannot pay you this full balance. Um, I've got X amount of money, whatever it is, you can take it or I'm going to use it for another, uh, another bill. And a lot of these companies are, are more than happy to uh, close out these accounts, get the cash in their doors, and, and move on with life. So uh, we want to be aggressive in communicating and aggressive in communicating how dire our situation is. You also have a section about standing up to the IRS. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, tell us briefly about uh, offers and compromise and how the IRS may be willing to forgive some of your tax debts. Yeah, um, and number one, I always I start by saying, you know, uh, the IRS agents and auditors, they're folks just like the rest of us. They're, they're not a bunch of uh, evil people who like making people's days horrible. Um, so we always want to enter uh, our negotiations with the IRS understanding that, that these are people just doing their job. Uh, with that in mind, the, you know, the offer and compromise program, which is essentially like debt settlement with the IRS, um, has really changed in the last year or so. Uh, the IRS is really moving away from it, realizing uh, they've done the math that we get more money out of people by making installment agreements than by letting people walk away from their debt. So um, really, if you are owing money to the IRS, what you should actively seek out and expect is an installment agreement, which is uh, we will stop collection actions, we'll stop hounding you, we won't freeze assets, but you need to commit to paying this certain amount per month, and they have a formula that they use. So uh, that's what you should be expecting now if you are dealing with the IRS. You also have a whole chapter on bankruptcy, and uh-huh. why don't you just briefly, we have just about two minutes to go, mm-hmm. um, give people a realistic idea of uh, the pros and cons of bankruptcy, both Chapter 13 and 7, in today's environment where we have the new bankruptcy law in effect. Yeah, I, I, bankruptcy's changed so much. It, it is no longer, for most people, uh, an ability to wipe out all your debts and, and uh, you know, move on with life and get a, a fresh start. Uh, if anything, most uh, courts, bankruptcy courts, are again moving towards this installment agreement type mentality where they will basically uh, stop the phone calls, but you are now on a payment plan. So um, what people are sadly discovering is that the cost of filing a bankruptcy, which can easily run from $1,000 to $2,000, does not, uh, is not warranted. Uh, All all we're doing is getting put on a payment plan, which we could have done ourselves and used that $1,000 or $2,000 to actually reduce some of those debts. Uh, on top of that, things like IRS debts and, and certain types of student loans uh, are not uh, not subject to bankruptcy laws anyway. So um, I really tell people it is a absolute last resort. Yes, very good. All right, well, terrific. It's been fascinating. There's been all kinds of things we've learned about debt. Again, if you want to find out more about Ken Clark's book, his website is kenclarkcfp.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Ken. Thanks, Jordan. Have a good day. And again, you can find out more about his book. It's called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Getting Out of Debt. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again next week. This is Jordan Goodman. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.